Well, we've already had a powerful start to this morning, and uh, I'm, I'm really excited for what God wants to do today. I want to start with a testimony, and uh, that testimony is that baby Avery that we've been praying for as a community came home last Monday. And so to Rob and Krista, if you're watching, we're just with you. They're, they obviously, because uh, Avery's still, um, uh, there's still medical issues, but enough, he's, he's stable enough to be at home. Um, they're just cautious in being out. or you know, They can't wait to bring him out to, for the community to meet him. But right now, uh, it's not yet the time. But we're with you. We continue to pray. And uh, we, we just thank you, Jesus. And God, for what you've done in that little one's life, it's truly a miracle that he's alive. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit, which is what I'm going to talk about this morning. You know, we have talked about the last week 1.2 billion people that we can reach in 21 years. You know, I started off with the 1 million, but I'm like, hey, let me, let me show you the big picture. 21 years, 1.2 billion people. That's not going to happen by any of our ability. That's not going to happen by any of our strength or any of our power. It only happens when we truly believe in a gospel that has power. That the Holy Spirit will work through your life and through the testimony of the truth of the gospel will work in power, in signs, wonders, and miracles to testify to the truth of God. The truth is anybody giving their life to Jesus, that is a miracle. You know, it's the working power of the Spirit, him living and breathing into someone, bringing them to life. But the gospel that Jesus preached and that he demonstrated was one of power. So I, uh, I want to use actually a Bible project video this morning. Since we're here in a theater, we're going to put it up on the screen. Um, I'll actually, I don't know who's got control of the lights in here so we can see it well, but uh, I'll go switch a switch. And uh, the... If you've ever heard the phrase... Whoa, 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 pause, pause. (laughs) So just to set this up, um, so this is a four-minute video on the Holy Spirit. And uh, we'll let it play once I turn off the lights. So I'm going to run, turn off the lights, and we'll show the video on screen as well. (laughs) Oh, thank you. There we go. If you've ever heard the phrase, the Holy Spirit, and you want to know what it means, where do you start? Well, you have to start on page one of the Bible, where the uncreated world is depicted as this dark, chaotic place. But then above the chaos, God's Spirit is there, hovering, ready to bring about life and order and beauty. Okay, but... What is God's Spirit? Yeah, so the Spirit is the way the biblical authors talk about God's personal presence. The Hebrew word is ruach. Ruach. Yeah, you gotta clear your throat at the end. So what is it? Well, ruach can refer to a number of different things, but what they all have in common is energy. Energy? How so? So there's an invisible energy that makes the clouds move or the tree branches sway. Right. Wind. So in Hebrew, that's ruach. Okay. Now take a big breath. So you feel that inside you? Yeah, the air? Well, specifically the energy, right? The vitality in your body that you get from breathing deeply, that too is ruach. And this is the same word used in the Bible to describe God's personal presence. Just like wind and breath are invisible, God's spirit is invisible. Wind is powerful, and so God's spirit is powerful. And just as breath keeps us alive, so God's spirit sustains all of life. Yeah, ruach. 
Now, as we continue on in the story of the Bible, we see God's Ruach giving special empowerment to people for specific tasks. The first person in the Bible this happens to is Joseph. God's Spirit enables him to understand and interpret dreams. And then it happens to this guy named Bezalel, and he's an artist. God's Spirit empowers him with wisdom and skills. He's given creative genius to make beautiful things in the tabernacle. And we also see God's Ruach empower a group of people called the prophets. They're able to see what's happening in history from God's point of view. That's exactly right. And here's the problem as the prophets saw it. While God's Ruach had created a really good world, humans have given in to evil. They've unleashed chaos into it through their injustice. A new type of disorder. Yes. And the prophet said the spirit would come, just like in Genesis 1, but now to transform the human heart, to empower people to truly love God and others. How will this new act of God's spirit happen? Well, centuries pass and we are introduced to Jesus. And at the beginning of his mission, there's this beautiful scene where Jesus is being baptized in the waters of the Jordan River. Yeah, the sky opens up and God's spirit comes and rests on him like a bird. This story is saying that God's spirit is empowering Jesus to begin the new creation. And we see this happening when he heals people or forgives their sins. He's creating life where there once was death. Now, Israel's religious leaders oppose Jesus, and they eventually have him killed. But even here, God's spirit is at work. The earliest disciples of Jesus, who saw him alive from the dead, said it was God's energizing spirit that raised Jesus. This is the beginning of new creation. Yes, and it's still going. When Jesus appeared to his closest followers, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And soon after that, the Spirit powerfully comes on all of his disciples. So that they can become a part of this new creation and share the good news and learn how to live by the energy and influence of God's Spirit. And so today, the Spirit is still hovering in dark places. Yes, pointing people to Jesus, transforming and empowering them so they can love God and others. And the Christian hope is that the Spirit is going to finish the job. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a new humanity, living in a new world that's permeated with God's love and life-giving spirit. There we go. I I love Bible Project videos. You can find them at thebibleproject.org. It's just an incredible ministry. We actually uh, give money to help support that ministry because it's just an incredible tool for the entire body of Christ to be using to truly understand Scripture. And I couldn't teach it better than them, so let me use that to be the introduction to today. So we have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, His breath, His life within us. The Holy Spirit is God. You know, the Holy Spirit is God. So the same as Jesus is the Son of God, the whole, you know, and there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you know, our concept of Trinity. So the Holy Spirit is God. It's not something separate from God. It's not an add-on to God. It is God's Spirit, His life, breathed within us. Each one of us, if we have given our life to Jesus, have received that Holy Spirit. You've heard me teach us a great deal over the last little while about the fruits of the Spirit, about that being love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
No, this is Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. So when God's Spirit, it empowers us to live a kingdom life. That's what heaven's going to be like. Everyone's going to be patient with one another. No one's going to be annoyed at one another. You know, there's going to be this incredible new life that we have when we are made new with God. When sin is removed from the world and the new heaven and the new earth, those will be the characteristics of how people live. And we, right now, are meant to bring heaven to earth. You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, here on earth as it is in heaven. Your life as a follower of Jesus is one that is empowered by the Spirit of God. By God himself. Empowering you. Bringing about those fruits of the Spirit but he also brings about the gifts of the Spirit. And we see those in Scripture. Now, the worship team this morning was operating in gifts of the Spirit that God had given them. He's given them gifts and talents to lead us musically, and they were operating in those things for us today. But there's certain gifts of the Spirit that Jesus speaks about, gifts of prophecy, gifts of healing, gifts of deliverance, that he empowered all his followers to have. We're going to look at scripture this morning to back that up, but we're going to end this time today with a time of ministry for whoever wants it. We're going to have time for praying, for praying in the spirit, There's and for, for praying over people. So listen with anticipation. Anticipation either that you're going to pray for people or that you're going to receive prayer today. But what my hope is, is that by the end of our time together today, you are going to be confident that God's spirit is in you and working through you so that as God brings people to you that he wants you to disciple, you're not going to disciple them with wise and persuasive words. You will disciple them with the gospel and a demonstration of his power. Amen? So let's start in Romans verses, uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 17 to 19. And we're going to look at three different examples where Paul talks about you know, him ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 15, it's, in verse 17, it says, Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what he has said and done, by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. By the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. When Paul would go out and preach the gospel to the Gentiles, it was accompanied with signs and wonders and miracles. Why? Because Jesus said that's what would happen when his disciples went out. It's what he empowered them to do. We'll look at those scriptures in a minute. Again, 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 to 5. Here's Paul writing again to the Corinthian church. He says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence of, or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. 
My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Again, the power of God. One last scripture. 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 4 to 5. Paul writing to the Thessalonian church. And he says there, For we know, brothers and, sisters, lo- brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. The gospel is powerful. The gospel is powerful. The truth and testimony of who Jesus is and what he's done is powerful. Jesus himself testifies in Matthew 28 in his own words. He says, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. And then he sends out the 11 disciples that are left and says, go out and make disciples of all nations, teaching people or baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded to you. But all authority in heaven on earth has been given to Jesus. When Jesus was raised from the dead, when God raised him from the dead, that same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. It is what is doing the transforming work in your life. We must believe that. Because otherwise, we're going to put our trust in our own abilities, in our own strength. We're going to put our trust in things of the world and not in the power of the gospel. We're not going to put our trust in Jesus Christ. What did Paul write? He said, I chose to know nothing other than Jesus Christ crucified. What does that mean? It means that Paul put his hope in what Jesus accomplished at the cross and knew that that was the only answer for the world. He knew that the only thing that mattered was Jesus crucified at the cross. It was the only truth that mattered for people. Jesus was raised from the dead. He truly was the son of God. He truly was raised from the dead. And if this God is powerful enough to raise his son from the dead, to forgive the sins of the world, that same power will bring transforming presence in your life. He will take you from dead to alive. You know, dead from God to alive to God. That power has the power to conquer sin in your life if you believe it. But it comes down to what is our faith in? Is our faith in our own ability? Is our faith in our own strength? We, as a church, for a couple of centuries now, because of different human philosophies, particularly that of materialism, not in the idea of just buying things, but that the you know, world can only be um, viewed by what we can materially touch and feel, we have re- taken the gospel and we've reduced it to knowledge. We've reduced it to information. You know, it's that, oh, as long as you've got the right information, you'll be okay. But it's not a gospel of knowledge. It's not a gospel of wise and persuasive words. It is a gospel of power. And to deny that is to deny Jesus. To deny the power of the gospel is to deny Jesus himself. To deny God. It's to say that the, that, that the Bible is a lie. And that the the truth that we see in the Bible is a lie. If we do not believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, then we don't truly believe in the gospel. You believe in the idea of Jesus, but an idea that has no power. The Pharisees believed in that. Demons believe in that. Demons believe in Jesus. The scriptures tell us that. 
You know, we can believe in the idea of Jesus, but it can be powerless in our lives. And we will not reach a million people. We will not reach 1.2 billion people. This world will not be transformed unless we believe in a true gospel, a real gospel that has real power, real power in our lives. That gospel is the gospel that each one of us, I hope, has received I hope it's the one we've been taught in. And I hope that if you haven't, that by the end of this time together today, you have received it. Because Jesus is powerful. God is powerful. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. God, the creator of a universe that is so big we cannot begin to comprehend it. You know, He is more powerful than anything that this world tells you is powerful. And he is certainly more powerful than your emotions and your feelings and, you know, ourselves. And the way that we so often have been taught is a way that is self-centered, where we're focused on ourselves. What is God doing for me? What's in it for me? What's, you know, my life is about me. And how do I not, I don't feel my needs are getting met. And I don't feel this is getting done. And I don't like this thing. And that's got to get broken. And we get, we receive Jesus who said, it's not about you. It's about me. It's about Jesus. And it's about him working in and through our lives. We've all been called for a purpose, and that is to go and make disciples of all nations. And all nations have come to the province of Ontario in this obscure, cold country of Canada. Let's go out and reach them. Amen? But not just with wise and persuasive words, not with fear, but with the power of the gospel. Amen? In Matthew 10, verse 1 Jesus, he calls his 12 disciples to him and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. That was not just for the 12. And you want me to prove that to you in Matthew 10 verse 5. Well, let me keep reading. In Matthew 10 verse 5 to 8, still talking about the 12, it says these 12 were sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim the message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Then we see in Luke verse 10, or chapter 10, verses 17 to 21. It's not just the 12. Jesus now sends out 72. And he sends them out, to, not just you know, without restriction of saying, don't go to the Gentiles or Samaritans. He sends them out to every town that he's about to go to. And to the 72, he gives the same instructions. And then in verse 17 to 21, it says this, that the 72 returned with joy and said, they returned to Jesus and they said, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, to this is what you were pleased to do. I was listening to a preach by Bill Johnson in the last little bit. 
Listen to it a number of times, again, on the power of God. And he was commenting and saying, that, look, unfortunately, the church today, it offers us this weird buffet. He didn't say weird. That's my word. He said it offers us this buffet. And you can have a gospel with no power. You can have a gospel with little power. You can have a gospel with lots of power. If it, you know, which one would you prefer? You can have no worship. You can have quiet, reflective worship. Or you can have worship with power. Which one would you like? Come and choose. If you don't like the one here, then come and choose this one. We want to cater to you and your needs. That is not the gospel. And, the, and, and it's why the church is ineffective. It's why the church is entertaining people and people's lives are not being transformed and changed and so people are leaving the church in groves. You know, why is it that people are disappearing from, from churches all around North America, all around the world? Because it's irrelevant and ineffective for them. But it only can be relevant and effective as if we have the true gospel and that is a gospel with power. Gospel with power. Yeah. And, you know, people will continue to be like, ah, you know, church is option, being part of a community is optional, all these different things, they're optional because, you know, if we've made it all about us, then as soon as it doesn't suit us anymore, we won't be there. We won't be there. But if the gospel is not a gospel of self, the gospel is a gospel of dying to self. Again, as I said a couple of weeks ago, that doesn't mean that your personality doesn't matter, that you don't matter, that you're supposed to just disappear. And, you know, it's that thing of dying to self means I will no longer be self-centered and self-focused. My focus is now Jesus. He is the one who I look to for reality. He is the one I look to for purpose. He is the one I look to for who I am meant to be. Amen? I have a sense that this morning, God wants to break fear. He wants to break anxiety. He wants to break depression over people's lives today. And I'm going to corporately pray for that. You know, I, I want to share a little bit of a testimony on this. You know, God was reminding me this morning. And, and literally a week after, I don't know, I'm sure you know the story of how I started in full-time ministry, and it was by me getting laid off from my job after praying to God, going, God, you either need to merge this little group, this group of teenagers that I'm working with with a bigger church, or you need to free me up you know, to uh, full-time because I can't balance everything that I've got going on in my life right now. And a month later, I got laid off from my job. I was like, okay, Lord, apparently you've answered. Yeah. And uh, a week after that, I get a call. And it's, will you come down to Sick Kids Hospital and play, pray for this little girl that has a brain tumor and is not expected to live? Like, oh my goodness. And I went. And I went down to that hospital and I prayed for that little girl. And two weeks later, that little girl walked out of the hospital without a brain tumor. That's the power of God. Because I went, as Paul said, in fear. I went in fear. Like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm being asked to do this. You know, it's an interesting thing what God was reminding me of about the journey is that the enemy comes and goes at us, and he certainly went at me. The more we start, more we start operating in the power of God, the more the enemy goes, hold on, you're out of line, I need to go after you. 
And, you know, and then just comes with discouragement and comes with different things that keep us, you know, make us doubt ourselves, that make us doubt who Jesus is, you know, make us doubt the power of the gospel. We come up with theologies and doctrines to justify why things are going on as opposed to pushing through what we need to push through. And I, you know what, I fell victim to that so often. Just, you know, I fell victim so often to just being battered around by the enemy and not believing in the truth of who Jesus is and who the truth that Jesus says is me because of the gospel. And we, this, we live under constant anxiety, fear, depression in our society. Some of us in greater measures than others. But today that ends for us. Because this is meant to be a community that people come to and they find hope and joy. A people that come in and that they are set free from mental illness. They're set free from doubt. Not because we're such an amazing people, but because we serve a living God. We serve Jesus Christ. And it is that by the joy set before him that he endured the cross. And it says that the joy of God is our strength. Right? And so part of our, our walk with God is walking in joy and walking in strength. And if you find yourself in a place today where you're dealing with anxiety, fear, and depression, trust in the power of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, to set you free today. It will not be a person that does it. It won't be someone praying for you. We're going to corporately pray for this right now. You know, It is going to be the power of God and your choice to believe it. Your choice to believe it. We receive things in faith or we don't. We receive them in faith or we don't. That's a strong statement. But it's one that we see over and over in scripture and we keep apologizing for. We've got to receive things in faith. And so I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm just going to corporately pray for us. And I trust God to work in this. This is one of the first things we'll minister for this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have set people free from anxiety and fear and depression, that those are not part of your kingdom. And that as we receive the gospel of Jesus Christ, as we receive the truth of who you are, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you, that you take authority over anyone that is experiencing, over the spirit of anxiety, you take authority over the spirit of depression, over the spirit of fear in people's lives today. And in the name of Jesus, we say, be broken. Be broken. Amen. We speak truth over people that are experiencing these things and say, it is not the truth. You are not what you feel. You are not what you feel. Your feelings do not determine who you are. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ crucified at the cross, he determines who you are. Your feelings, as real as they are to you, are not real in the spiritual world. The truth is not what you feel. The truth is Jesus Christ. And the power that raised him from the dead is in you to bring about change. To bring about change. So I thank you, God, for freedom that people are are receiving today. I thank you that we're receiving freedom. To walk in freedom requires action. So if if the expectation of us anytime we're prayed for something is that God is going to do something and we have to do nothing, then that is not true. 
That's a false belief. And the, fault, the true belief is that because we've received the Holy Spirit, because he's empowered us, we can rely on his truth and we can call on his truth. So there are times where there's stuff that's going on and I'm like, God, I just have to hand this over to you. I have no idea what to do with it. That very act of handing it over to you is powerful or handing it over to God is powerful. It's an action. It's a choice. I have a choice whether I hold on to my anxiety, my fear, my depression. If I hold on to those beliefs and I just call them real, that's a choice. Or I can go, God, I feel this. I'm experiencing this. This is an awful feeling and I do not want this. I hand this over to you. I'm giving it back to you. I'm giving it back to you. This is not true. It is not real. What is true? Jesus, you crucified on the cross. Your power, you raised from the dead, that all authority in heaven on earth has been given to you. That is truth. That is truth. That is truth. So I invite you to respond this morning. That the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is in you. That it's in you. That that power is in you. And I'm going to call people up in a few minutes' time for prayer. If you are watching online, if you're watching this video online, I'm going to pray a blanket prayer over you. And so, and anyone here can receive it as well. I just pray for those that are watching this video that they would not feel excluded from this. That they would right now, they would receive your spirit if they've never received that before, an empowering of that, a stirring up of the power of your spirit. If you have given your life to Jesus before, you already have the Holy Spirit within you. So what I'm praying is that you would receive a stirring of that spirit in you, that you would believe in a conviction that the power of God is in you, and that power that is in you would break sin in your life, that it would break the entanglement of sin, that that power would be powerful enough that when God brings people to you, you can pray for them with authority for whatever it is that they are dealing with, because that is who you are in Christ. And so whether you're watching this online or whether you're here in the room with us today, that power is available to you. God is not limited by your proximity. For those of us that are here in the room today, whether you come up because you need prayer for something, whether you come up because you just want someone to pray for the Spirit to be stirred up in you, whatever it is that you need prayer for, come on up today. Because God wants us to come alive. He wants the sons and daughters of God to come alive today. Amen? Amen. Before I call you up, you know, we've been doing these different, different outreaches, um, particularly in the Faulkner community. So we've got on a Thursday a group of high school students that come in and just hang out. We've got some other people that we're working with. Alexa Ray, who actually is only with us until the 9th of December, she leaves on the 9th, she's been incredible at connecting with a number of the, the teenage girls that come in there. That so much so they come in because she's there. And at the moment, I have no other young woman to replace her. And you don't have to be young. You just have to be willing to connect with these, with these people. And so what I'm asking is that if there are people here today, you know, that you have the freedom in your schedule to be available on a Thursday from 2.30 to 4.30, you know, or I, we often do a dinner after that and it goes to around 5, 5.30. 
But if you, even if it's just 4.30, if you can be, make yourself available and commit to coming you know, every week or every two weeks to that time, there are people there that are actually interested in connecting. It's a, it's a harvest that just needs harvesters. That's one thing that we're doing at this moment in time. Now, there's going to be many other opportunities. But again, it's that action that says, I'm going to set aside something else to be able to reach out to and minister to people. God's going to give you, all of us, all kinds of different opportunities. This is just one of them. But I say that because, A, I forgot to make it in the announcement, and it's so important. Because if we don't have people that will step up, then there's suddenly, the people aren't coming to be entertained. They're coming for connection with people. Right? There's opportunities to mentor, there's opportunities to, uh, to, uh, to invest in the lives of young people you know, that come. We also, from 1 to 3, on, a, on that same day, on a Thursday afternoon, actually have a few seniors from the community that have started coming in. And again, need people that are willing to come, befriend those people, and, and you know, talk to them and be able to, from those conversations, be able to disciple them. You know, because they're there. Some of them even have church background. You know, and they're coming. And more will come if we have people to connect with them. So that's just one way that you can be reaching out to and letting God send people to you to disciple that we have to offer. God's empowering you with the Holy Spirit not to make you feel good. He's empowering you with the Holy Spirit so that you can take on his command to go and make disciples. You know, part of the reason I believe that the church is not walk in power is because we want it for all the wrong reasons. We want it for ourselves, but not to give away to others. We're quite content to be blessed in our own lives and you know, to receive his power and blessings for us and to hide away from the call and command of Jesus to go out and make disciples of all nations. So if you want this spirit, you've got to receive all of it. Right? To be empowered by the Holy Spirit for the sake of others. For the sake of others. The amazing thing is, is that when we start giving that away, God starts working more and more in our lives. Right? Because the more we give ourselves away, the more we make room for God to work. And so, this is not a thing of, well, I got to wait until I'm perfect and then I can go out. No, you've received, the, you know, you received salvation through the power of the Holy Spirit working in you because of what Jesus did at the cross. And the very simple gospel is there for you. That gospel that says, love God with all your heart, mind, and spirit, then love your neighbor as yourself. You know? And loving our neighbors is telling them, is making room to love them and create opportunities to tell them about Jesus and demonstrate that gospel with power. The wonderful thing is it's not you that has to do it. You're just believing God to work through you. When someone prays for you this morning, don't be like, wow, that was exciting that that person prayed for me. I fell into this error early in my Christian walk and it left me powerless a lot of the time, in that I was dependent on people. It's like, oh, well, if that person would pray for me, then this would be good. You know, if, only, if that person would pray for me, then I'm going to receive something. It's not about people. It's about God working. You know, that's it. 
You know, it's God working. You know, God wants to work through you. God wants to work through you. He loves you. You are his child. You know, he's bought you with the price. You are so valuable to him. He absolutely loves you. He cares about every aspect of your life. But this gospel is a gospel of power. And so what I want to do is invite you to respond. You know, to come, if you would like prayer this morning, prayer for the power of the Holy Spirit. If there's an area of your life you need prayer for, whatever it is, come on down. I've asked the elders and any leaders that are fine to come up and pray, then come and pray this morning. And uh, just, I know it's crowded up here, but that doesn't matter. You know, we just want time to minister to you. And, and this is actually going to become a part of how we do church again. Because somehow in the theater, we lost this piece, and it's a piece that God is saying must come back. Amen? Amen. Wonderful. Greg, I'll let you wrap up and call people down.